Hello and a welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews and a kickoff to the summer of Super, which will be my look at Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man, Sp Superman movies. Uh, this all kicks off with Mayday Superheroes. Uh, my look at Catwoman, Elytra, Bob Wire, and today's movie in 1984's Supergirl. So, get out your knife and fork, this one is going to be fun, and I'm not going to lie here, these are some of my guilty pleasure movies, some more guilty than others, and these are in no main shape, way or form, good movies, but the thing is, are can these be good bad movies, well, or are these things just plain awful, well, that's what I'm here to find out, anyway, before I jump into this movie, I'm going to tell you one little thing here. I haven't read a comic book since 1987, so I am not up on any of this comic book lore. So take that as a side note. And before I jump into this movie, I'm going to ask another serious question here. Is Supergirl a little... how should I put it? Slow? No, wait. I'm going to be nice here. Let's just say she's naive. And what's this supposed to be, a feminist superhero movie? I mean, think about it. She arrives on Earth, 10 seconds later, she's punt-kicking racist. She isn't, uh, she isn't interested in the hunky gardener. She enrolls in an all-girls school. She fights a witch, uh, by the way, isn't someone vulnerable to magic. And finally, her superpowers do no harm. One thing I will say is Superman made me believe a man could fly, whereas this made me believe the budget was too low and they just made this woman look like a complete imbecile. With a budget of $35 million, this thing pulled in a pathetic $13.6 and almost killed the Superman franchise. This movie was so bad, even Christopher Reeves says nope to a quick cameo, and this guy said yes to Superman 4. Hmm. Oh, and one more thing. The original idea was Supergirl was supposed to go up against Selina and her magical creatures again. Superman is powerless against magic, therefore wouldn't his cousin Supergirl? Hmm. Kind of reminds me of the ending to the terrible first season of Supergirl, the TV show, where Superman turned evil for some bullshit reason, yet Supergirl, being a woman, didn't. And don't get me started on that bullshit feminist crap and that god-awful TV show for fixies glassier mint. So, look up to the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a clumsy blonde falling out of the sky. Here it is! Supergirl 84. Starring Effie Dunaway, a Peter O'Toole, a Peter Cook, Mia Farrow and Helen Slater. Directed by Janot Swart. The plot. After losing her city's power source, it's down to Supergirl to retrieve it before her city dies. It lands on Earth and is stolen by a wannabe witch, who uses its powers to take over a town. No, not the world, but a town. Can Supergirl get it back before it's all too late and her parents die? So, the movie opens up on smoky purple screen. As the cast names fly by on metal, apparently. Uh, all underscored with a terrible score. What, they couldn't even get a Superman theme for this bloody movie? Jesus Christ. After two and a half minutes of these terrible titles that allegedly cost one million dollars to bloody make, and we see Argo City, which is a small rock with a Christmas light stuck to it. This is supposed to be the last piece of Krypton. It's not in outer space, but inner space. Inside a Christmas light, uh, 
which has spotlights circling it. I'm guessing that's the only source of light. We see the place looks like an ant colony with hippies running the place and everything is all arty-farty and plastic. We're introduced to our, quote, hero, Akara Zorel, played by Helen Slater of Legend of Billie Jean, Ruthless People, and, well, this. And I feel sorry for Helen Slater. Not only was a script passed around Hollywood and rejected by every single famous actress of the 80s, but she gets second billing to Faye Dunaway, who reportedly got over $9 million for this movie. But she has to let like a simpleton in his opening credits playing with what looks like a giant orange dildo as five and six year olds do complicated math problems in seconds, but she's too stupid to do so. Anyway, on her travels around Argo City, she meets mad professor Zoltar, played by the late Peter O'Toole of Lawrence Arabia, Caligula, King Ralph and Phantoms. He's using said orange magic wand to repair the city. And oh my god, Peter O'Toole's overacting in this is well OTT. With the, and that, through there, zip zap, and gone! And my god, the overacting. And legend has it, he was drunk on set, and the squirt was actually pure dark rum. He tells Kara he might go to Saturn, and she asks if it's further than Earth. With him asking, doesn't this stuff get taught in school anymore? She answers, yeah, but she can't get numbers in her pretty little head because she's too stupid. With him telling her, no matter, use your imagination. I.e., lucky you're pretty, and pats her on the bloody head almost for crying out loud patronising bastard. Anyway, he goes on to explain they are not in outer space, but inner space. He then pulls out of his trousers the great power ball, the Omega Hedron, the one thing powering the city, keeping everything alive. He then tells her he, quote, borrowed it from the elders for inspiration, and then proceeds to point the orange dildo at it. This excites the ball for some reason. Uh, with the power of cheap effects, he makes a plastic tree look, quote, real by this magical sparkle effects. Kara's uh, mother, Allura, played by Mia Farah, Farrow even, of Rosemary's Baby and Omen Remake, MVA covered several years ago, check out my archives, pulls away from the mad old drunk. And it's here he gives Kara a tracking watch so she can find Omega Hedron. And why did he do that? Did he set her up to lose the ball, therefore sending her to Earth? Hmm. He hands Kara the magic orange dildo, and she plays with her between her legs, creating a plastic dragonfly, and she sits with her legs shoulder-width apart, spread eagle almost. I mean, Jesus criminies. How very unladylike. And she's 1920 here. I mean, what the f... As Allura tries talking Zoltar out of leaving to go to Venus, wait, I thought it was Saturn. Hmm, I suppose it's not Uranus. Uh, he slides Kara the Powerball to play with. This brings the dragonfly to life. And this thing was like one of those cheap toy helicopter things you got in the 80s that were attached to strings and would fly around in circles. Anyway, the cheap plastic dragonfly flies out of the barrier, tearing it wide open and sucking the megahedron out into, well, outer space, I'm guessing. Zaltar seals the cheap plastic barrier holding in the air and I love the fact the plastic sheeting is getting burned uh, by the plastic dildo thing where the hell it is as the thing was shot and shown in reverse or what the hell it was moving on Kara's father chews out Zaltar saying without the megahedron the city is doomed for a matter of days 
Kara takes it upon herself to find the power ball and Zalter's magic ship to Earth via effects so bad that looks straight out of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And I love the fact Zaltar demands to be placed in the Phantom Zone straight after. Yeah, because going to a place where you cannot die instead of a city that's dead in a matter of days is great punishment there, Zaltar, you conning bastard. On Earth, wannabe witch Selina, played by Faye Dunamy of Bonnie and Clyde, China Tao, Mummy Dearest, and the god-awful Bye-Bye Man. And her frenemy boyfriend, hmm, Nigel, played by the late Peter Cook of Bedazzled, The Princess Bride, and the Peter Cook and Dudley Moore TV shows have lunch by a lake. And by the way, Dudley Moore was supposed to play this role, but he wanted $4 million, so it went to Peter Cook. Peter O'Cook, Peter Cook for much less. And it's here the two wannabe witches discuss, well, what else, by taking over the world. What are they, pinky and bloody brain for fuck's sake? Uh, by the way, is Selena wearing Elvira's red ruby power ring? Hmm. And I just casually tells her the only way to rule the world would be if she became invisible and then tells her a spell on how to do so, but she isn't interested in this one little bit. Out of nowhere falls a megahedron as it lands in Selena's dip. She picks it up and casts a spell on herself for everlasting life. As you do. You know, this baseball-sized weird-looking ball falls out of the sky and you pick it up and immediately go, give me magic, power, life, everlasting, blah, blah, blah. Yes, moving on. She then steals Nigel's car after dumping him. And on the car radio, we hear Superman is off on an intergalactic piece. Uh, meeting hundreds of thousands of miles away, or the other side of the galaxy, where the fuck it is, who gives a shit? He's not in this thing, so cut. Finally, after cheap effects that would make even the 80s Doctor Who blush, we see a bored looking car arrive on Earth, flying through the same pond as the Megahedron did, and I love the fact you can see the wire pulling her out of the water. And oh yeah, she's in full Supergirl costume, and... That shot of her coming to the water it isn't even bloody Slater. It's a cardboard cutout of the best acting of this movie. Does she gracefully fly or float? No, don't be silly. This is our big introduction to Supergirl, so make her look as stupid as humanly possible by having her clumsily land with perfectly dry hair and a perfectly dry costume. And note, this costume was supposed to be hot pants, but that was thought to be too sexual, so they placed her in a miniskirt and said, uh, isn't miniskirts also sexual? Hmm. So, now on Earth, uh, what's the first thing she does? No, she doesn't scan the area using her X-ray vision. No, she doesn't fly straight up to scan for a megahedron, but she uses her heat vision to make a flower bloom. Because, you know, girls love flowers. Ugh. By the way, shouldn't she be in pain as all her powers go haywire at once, i.e. her super hearing, super sight, etc, etc? Much like it does in Man of Steel, or is that not canon yet? Hmm. And dear God, I'm only 15 minutes into this two-hour turkey. God, it was... <clears throat> anyway, with one sniff of a flower, she's literally floating on air, as she bounds around in midair looking like a bad panto. After all this light, fluffy floating around... Uh, she's off to fly around America in some piss-poor front projection effects. After spooking some wild horses and the director throwing a lens flare straight out the J.J. Abrams playbook, she lands and 
decides to join an all-girl prep school. Meanwhile, I'm guessing back at Argo City, panic has set in as air is getting thin and the lights are now failing. Still, never mind that, it's onto the Wicked Witch of the Midwest hideaway. What else could it be but a fun house where we meet Selena's one and only friend, Bianca, played by Brenda Varco. She places the megahedron in some sort of dragging cauldron type thing, and then tells Bianca all her worries are over. As back with Supergirl, she uses her magic watch to trick the whereabouts of the megahedron. So lands in town where she takes on two rapists, one of which is Max Hedrum himself, Matt Fuhrer. Supergirl uses her super breath to blow him straight through a fence, so his idiot friend pulls out a flick knife, and what is it with the 80s and flick knives, and tries to attack her. So Supergirl uses her heat vision to heat up the knife and does cause him to drop the knife. But he still attacks her, so she punkips kicks him into the distance and it just flies off. After that pointless scene, it is back to the funhouse. How and why do you live in a funhouse? Who the hell is she a wannabe joker? Selena throws a swanky party for all her witch wannabe friends. Uh, is it one of these guests, Miss Tismaker from Superman 2? Hmm, oh yeah. At this party, Selena and Nigel talk about what else? World domination. You know, standard bad guy talk. Selena shows off her new powers of lighting a cigarette with her fingertip and suddenly over her shoulder she sees a vision of a gigantic dragon. Her dragon cauldron has came to life. This scares Selena with Nigel saying this is a warning of overreaching ambition and she is right to be afraid. Selena then shows off her powers even more by turning the Miss Tex Mocha lookalike. Oh, I just looked her up actually. She's Lexi's wife in Superman 3? I think. I guess I'll find out in August then. Hmm. Anyway, she turns her upside down and spins her on her head, showing off her pantaloons to the entire crowd. And with that, the party just abruptly ends. The next morning, Supergirl awakes to a rabbit cleaning itself. I guess she's now Snow White, as she can charm woodland creatures. It's here. She sees the all-girls school and decides to turn into Linda Lee. Oh yeah. And are these girls blind? They don't see a tall blonde in a bright blue Superman outfit watching from a small bush. I mean, a softball that engaging again. Kara mm. uses her superpower of making an outfit out of thin air to blend in with the other girls. And then she enrolls for some reason. Again, isn't her mother and father all choking to death? But who cares? There's math problems to be done. Mm. Important stuff there. And here we meet Hunky Gardner, Ethan, played by Hart Brochner of Die Hard, a movie I covered several years back. Check my archives. In walks Kara in a now brown wig because nobody realised she's Supergirl having a different colour hair. Ooh. And calling herself Linda Lee into the headmaster's office, a Mr Danvers, played by David Healy, best known for Captain Scarlet and Joe 90. And the only sole reason why I mentioned him is because in the Supergirl TV show, she goes by Cara Danvers, not Linda Lee. Anyway, moving on. Cara, or Linda, enrolls herself calling her a cousin of Clark Kent's. In walks Nigel to call away the headmaster, giving Cara time to super speed type up a letter. And wait a minute here. Nigel is a warlock and is a teacher of math in this prep school. I guess witchcraft doesn't pay much then, does it? Hmm. And hold on a second here. Mr. Danvers claims he has never heard of Clark Kent. 
Yet Lois Lane's younger baby sister goes to this prep school. Write it in. Anyway, Mr. Danvers shows Linda Lee around campus into the dorm rooms where all the girls seem to be in their brand panties. Okay then, because you know girls just walk around the place wearing their brand panties willy-nilly. Okay. <clears throat> I wonder if this is actually a male version of how females act. I mean, is this a feminist movie or a male chauvinistic type movie because they have Supergirl this weak, pathetic idiot who can barely do math, yet she's never a super genius on Earth. Okay then, moving on. Here, Linda is introduced to Lucy Lane, uh, played by Maureen Teffy of Grease 2 fame. And, well, this, as she has her new roommate, Lucy is shot with Linda until she finds out Clark Kent is her cousin. And then her eyes light up. I guess she wants on those infamous red panties too then. As on the wall, Lucy has a poster of Superman, which both girls fondle. And I love the fact how Lucy has casual smut on her wall, i.e. pictures from Playgirl. Because, you know, every girl has Playgirl pictures plastered over her walls. I mean, she's, what, 15? Again, aren't the people of Argo City dying? Why is she in school doing math problems? Shouldn't she be out looking for the fucking Omega Hedron, for crying out loud? <sighs> Dear God. In the back of Nigel's stolen caddy, Selena and Bianca perv on the honky Ethan, who is now shirtless for some reason, and Selena falls with him. Kara's magic watch goes off, so she uses her X-ray powers uh, to see Selena's car pulling away. Still, no time to go after the Megahedron. Uh, there's field hockey to be played, as Kara saves Lucy from a bully's hockey ball, which explodes on contact with her back. Nope, nothing suspicious here. You know, a bloody field hockey ball just explodes off this tall girl's back, but nothing suspicious there then. Okay then. In the showers, because of course there's a shower scene. As the other girls discuss how hunky and how hot this new gardener is, Linda isn't interested. She uses her superpower hearing to overhear the bully planning a quote prank. On the other, girls by turning the water to scalding hot. A tad much you love, isn't it? After all, she just stopped one bloody ball. And they even go on to say how she doesn't care if they lose three or four layers of skin. She's this all-powerful bully and oh, whatever love. So Karen uses her heat vision to heat up the monkey wrench, which A, it goes through the wall without cracking the fucking tiles, and B, no one sees this. Really? Still, never mind that, later that day, Linda returns from the hair salon with a new hairdo. And where did the money come from? Also, never mind every person you know dying a slow, painful death. You get yourself pampered, love, you know. In the dorm room, as Lucy is going on and on and on about how she's dating Jimmy Olsen, I'll get, get to that later, Linda, because he's like 29 or something like that, and she's only, as I said, 15, 16, okay then. Linda is playing with a bra, stuffing it with socks over her jacket. Again, is she special needs? Hmm. The whole prep school have a three-day weekend. I guess it's a back holiday then. So Linda stays back to, quote, study, as at night she's flying around looking for the megahedron. She flies past a drive-in cinema, which is showing Psycho 2, a movie I covered several years ago. Check my archives. The next morning, she finally finds where the Powerball is. And okay, just how big is this bloody town if it takes all night to fly around it? Meanwhile, back in the funhouse, Selena is brewing up a love spell 
for the gardener and tricks him into drinking it. But who knew he stumbles out of the funhouse in a daze. And oh yeah, the spell is if the first woman he sees he will fall madly in love with. Selena uses her magic mirror, because of course she'd have a magic mirror, to track him and then uses her powers to bring a JCB to life to bring him back to her. I guess this is about a budget wedding because this is supposed to be a gigantic set piece. As in a Popeye's Chicken a restaurant, Jimmy Olsen, played by Mark McClure, of well, the Spider-Man movies, and that's about it, is on a date with Lucy. And isn't he 29? She's like 16. Creepy much. Also, pervert. Cradle snatcher for fuck's sake. She sees Linda walking around town, so she calls over to meet Jimmy. But who knew that out of control JCB is chasing Ethan, causing chaos. So Kara runs in plain view of the entire restaurant to change to Supergirl to save him. And nobody sees this tall woman darting across the room in a matter of seconds. Uh, and would you know it, he clocks eyes uh, on her as Linda Lee and he falls head over heels in love. The scene where Ethan is running for his life is ridiculous. The JCB causes a domino effect, trash, trashing the one street in this entire town. First, it makes a car crash into a store, and then it smashes into a bar, before scooping Ethan up into its buckets, only for Lucy to try to stop it, causing yet more chaos as it smashes into a garage, which causes a huge tire to roll down the city, which then hits electrical power lines and starts a fire. Still, no matter, Supergirl is on hand to use heat vision on the wires, uh, even though they're still bloody live wires, she just shocks them from the... or oh, whatever. Uh, she then flies through a water tower to put out the fire, flooding the entire street. Uh, then she pulls off the bucket of the JCB, letting it crash into something else, and she just flies off. Gee, thanks Supergirl for all that, quote, help. And oh yeah, Selena names her Supergirl after her friend calls her a storm dragon. What the fuck? Ethan awakes from his daze, sees Linda Lee, and bang, he's in love with the two kiss, but this freaks out Gara, so she runs off. Does it mean like Gara's a lesbian? Hmm. Selena thinks Linda Lee is one of Nigel's imps, so uses her magic to unleash a great monster to kill her. Okay, calm down, don't get overexcited here. I mean, I think they had like a buck twenty left on the effects budget. So, this great monster is, quote, a shadow monster. Therefore, we don't get to see it. Anyway, it tracks down Kara. So, Supergirl takes it on with a streetlight, some lightning, and a power of bad effects. This ticks off Selena and even more. So, her underling thinks she knows the costume. Gee, love, what give away the giant fucking S on her chest? So she's tasked to track her down. Selena decides it's to take too long, so returns to her dragon cauldron type thingy, which is now double the size it was originally. This sends out a shockwave, which Supergirl feels, so she tracks down the power ball to the funhouse. Finally! Jesus Christ, I think we're like 59 minutes into this two hour movie, and it took her that time to find a fucking power ball. Ah, oh dear, oh dear. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the love lord Ethan has followed her and the two share a stationary Walser car and go for a kiss. This ticks off Selena, so they go for a little spin as she sends the Walser car in, well, spinning off in super speed. And uh, wouldn't this kill Ethan? Hmm. 
Supergirl faces off against Selena, and with the power of copy and paste, Selena surrounds Supergirl. So, now hold on a second here. Supergirl has freeze breath, uh, but she doesn't use it on Selena to freeze her on a fucking spot, therefore stopping her from multiplying herself time and time again. Oh yeah, she's a fucking idiot. Oh yeah, and it's here, Supergirl spouts out she doesn't scare easily. Yet not two minutes later, she's scared of a fucking skeleton in the Phantom Zone. Anyway, Supergirl finally realises she can fly, so she flies above Selena after Selena teleports Ethan into danger of getting slightly bumped by dodging cars. Supergirl traps Selena in a cell made of pipes, uh, saves and useless Ethan in a bumper car and just flies off. And oh yeah, for the third time in five minutes, he's knocked out. That is his one character trait to be knocked bloody out or full head over heels of Supergirl. Ugh, embarrassing. Supergirl finally lands after flying all night in what's like Canada and Selena just knocks her out with a coconut out of midair because, well, I don't know, script said so. Also, she's pissed off she can't control the mind of men. She can control women, mind you, but not men. So why not just use all the women in the world to take over the planets? I mean, really? Still, moving on. Bianca points out Selena is a rank amateur and must call Nigel for help. She begrudgingly does so and he undoes her love spell on Ethan. Therefore, he doesn't love Alinda Lee anymore. Then he uses his black magic to teleport him to her bed, and he's chained down. Okay then. Supergirl doesn't stand for this, so she flies to the funhouse and gets trapped in a phantom zone for her troubles. But not before Selina tricks Nigel into giving her his voodoo magic wand and aging him up in some truly bad fucking makeup effects. And then it makes a mountain appear in seconds in the middle of town because, eh, logic. But anyway, as I said, Supergirl is sent to the Phantom Zone. But not to worry, a drunk Zoltar is there to give her squirt and show her a way out. Uh, of course, you know, a way out of this unescapable place. This unescapable place where all the bad people are sent has a back door, you know. Mm. For this, he dies getting sucked down into a red tornado. Meanwhile, on Earth, Selena has taken over the town, but the townsfolk stand up to her. So she uses her biker gang police to arrest them all, because... movie? And I love the fact, in the background, you can see people going about their daily lives, not giving two shits about this turkey being made. That's <laughs> just ridiculous. Anyway, now free from the Phantom Zone, as all she had to do was climb a slight hill and then fly out back onto Earth, Supergirl is now pissed and takes on the all-powerful Selena. Now she has the power of Ma Nigel's black magic wand, spell books and the all-powerful Omega Hedron. Oh yes, and didn't they take the power of a nuclear bomb to get Zod out of the Phantom Zone? Still, never mind this. It's been in the last 20 minutes, so let's go over this fucking thing. As she gets Supergirl to fight her dragon cauldron thingy, which is now Jai Gigantic, and here the effects are beyond bad, as it stretches a pearly superimposed Supergirl in its hand. Supergirl then hears Zaltar doing his best Yoda impression and gives her strength and courage. Oh yeah, didn't she say she didn't scare easy? She's terrified in this bloody dragon thing. Oh, Foxy's glassy mince. 
So now, free and brave Supergirl shrinks down, spins around Selena, turning into a tornado, and sends the witch into the Phantom Soul along with her best friend Bianca and her dragon Cauldron. Right it in. Ethan hands Supergirl the Mega Hadron, the town is now free, Jimmy and Lucy kiss, Supergirl flies off, lands in the ocean, not the lake where she came out of, and going back to Argo City as the lights turn on, but everybody is dead inside I'm guessing, as credits roll. So, that was Supergirl DC's, if not the world's first female superhero movie, with a confusing script, wooden hammy acting, dime store effects, and subplots that go nowhere. Was it any wonder Warner Bros. washed their hands of this and sold it to Tristar, who then butchered this and sold it as a family fun movie about black magic and horny cougars? Hmm. This thing is so bad, it tarnished and dented the Superman name. I'm going to give this thing a 2 out of 10. This thing is bloody awful. Anyway, come back next week for my guilty pleasure movie, Catwoman. The rest of the month is Elytra and Barb Wire. June is Iron Man. July is Captain America. August and September is Superman. And don't forget to leave a like, share, comment and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pause, or even when you miss suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. And if you're feeling generous, check out my Patreon podcast, where for just $1 a month, you get access to exclusive, unscripted, uncut, and unedited movie reviews. And these things are one hour plus long. Also, check out my franchise podcast of Star Wars, Mad Max, Omen, Psycho, Gremlins, and more. Also, my solo podcast of Batman Returns, Donnie Darko, Prince of Darkness, They Live, and more. Now, bye-bye, and zip-zap, I'm gone! <laughs>